it's everybody else. Sure. And it's that entity. Yeah. And it's very easy to do that and really not look in the mirror and say, okay, what is my responsibility to this? Exactly. And how am I going to be more helpful? How am I going to... Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. At the age of 16, she was tested for learning disability, and lo and behold, She had a fabulous combo platter of auditory processing disorder and dyslexia. She'd spent the previous 10 years learning how to verbally communicate and solve problems while delegating her most challenging tasks. She did this unknowingly and was getting schooled on how to be a leader. As a young adult, she quickly rose in corporate jobs leading creative teams for Victoria's Secret, MTV, Nike, Estee Lauder, and Carter's Children's Wear. She never felt like she fit in. She was ashamed of her learning disability. It was a secret that she wouldn't share with others. She knew how to get a high level position without having a master's degree, how to charm her way by developing relationships, negotiate the offer, and regardless of her hurdles, lead with confidence. She created the recipe for getting the salary that she deserved. Today, she's an entrepreneur and her company helps people get the career and salary they deserve, regardless of their challenges. They work with veterans, stay-at-home parents, immigrants, folks from the LGBTQIA community, and folks with addictions or alcoholism. They've helped formerly incarcerated individuals who have lost their passion for what they do, people with disabilities, learning, physical, or psychiatric. They are the people who help take fear and formality out of the career. They've helped over 16,000 people get the job they deserve. Animals, the environment, living the digital nomad lifestyle, minimalism, Sudoku enthusiasts, sobriety, and cupcakes are her passions. She doesn't own a car. She's a 40-plus-year vegetarian, an activist, and a socially conscious volunteer. She is Super Julie Braun. Welcome back to Diversity Dish. I'm so glad you decided to join us again. My guest today is Super Julie Braun. We're going to call her SJ. But if you want to know the story behind her name, Super Julie, please come over and become a patron over at Patreon backslash Cedrola. So, Let's get into our conversation. Hey, Julie, SJ, actually, because I know you said if you call you Julie, you're looking for your mom, you're in trouble. (laughs) That's always my bit. I always look around for my mom when I hear my, hear just my first name. Yeah, I've been SJ for a long time now. So thank you. So excited to be here, Sadie. 
It's a pleasure to have you, SJ. I am really looking forward to getting into this conversation with you. But as usual, before we jump into the whole nitty gritty of it all, I'm sure everyone would love to know what it is you are passionate about right now. Right now, I am over the moon about the employee revolution. Mm. It is a moment in history that we are experiencing right now. A lot of people are familiar with the great resignation. And that is where millions of people have quit their jobs without really having anything else lined up. They've kind of figured out and this isn't everybody, but it's a lot of people that they've quit their regular jobs and they just said, you know, if I have to go drive an Uber or if I have to take care of my sister's kids or if I have to rely on my partner or spouse, I'm going to do that because I don't want to go back to, to your stinking office. <laughs> Right. All of those big companies, they're saying, oh, we want you to come back now. And people are like, I don't want to go back. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't miss the commute. Mm -hmm. Right. I like my yeah. my 15 foot commute from my bed to my laptop. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I think people have had a real awakening. Mm -hmm. That's been the silver lining of covid. Mm hmm. Because I think people have had an opportunity to maybe get quiet mm. and introspective, maybe looking at their lives saying, you know, do we really need this big house? Do we really need all these cars? Do we really need all this stuff? When really what matters to me is I get to see my children in the morning I've gotten a chance to get to know them and see that maybe they really need me. I've gotten reconnected with my spouse or maybe it broke the relationship up. That's <laughs> happened too, right? Yeah, yeah. We've heard a lot of that. But this moment has changed us and it's kind of done that slingshot rocket around the moon. It's fast, it's quickened everything up. I think we were going to get here anyway, mm -hmm. but because of COVID, it really kind of sped everything up. Mm -hmm. And so now we're in the employee revolution and it is one of the most exciting times for all of us because we will have a bigger say in the work that we do in the environment that we're going to do it in, in the sort of hours that we're going to be working, whether it's flexible or four days a week or, you know, more part-time, we might now start transitioning much more into, instead of having one job, we might have four, which to some people, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't even want one job. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but for people who have this awakening, they may start getting that the work that they've been doing while necessary can be one component of their life and they can have other passion projects and pa purposeful filled work in other areas and all of that blended together makes a much more magnificent 
life. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. It is so exciting to see, you know, I'm watching the, you know, the different articles, different stories about how everyone's having a hard time getting employees there. No one wants to go back to work. And, and I'm, you know, I'm listening to it. I'm going, yeah, absolutely. You know, people, like you said, have had time and space to go within and to say, you know what, I don't think I have to do that job anymore. That job that I had to do from home and did nothing for my soul. So I'm sitting here and I'm going, is that really what I want to do for the rest of my life? And I'm, and then that's so exciting to me because for me, that awakening, you know, I've always wanted to, to work from home, but that real true awakening happened for me after cancer. So everybody's kind of now going through, is this what I really want to do? Or do I, where do I need to be? And, and that's what I've been trying to tell people. It's like, you don't need cancer to, to get to that point where you're asking that question. You just need to have a little bit of space, a little bit of breathing room to go, is this what I want to do? If not, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? So people are going back to school and people are learning new skills and people are saying, you know what? I'm really passionate about this. And I believe that I can make money over here with what I'm passionate about. And so that's so super exciting, right? I love what you just said about you don't need cancer to have that awakening. You don't need cancer. You don't. But some of us actually, Sadie, maybe some of us do. Maybe, you know, maybe some some of us do. You know, I, I often think to myself, you know, I got cancer. Maybe that was what I needed in order to help me to, to, to jolt me out of the place where I was, this place of I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough, or I'm not, you know, whatever was coming up following cancer that I had to kind of go within as well and, you know, dig up all the stuff. Maybe that's what was needed in order for me to look at all of that and go, okay, all right what are these stories and why am I telling myself these stories? Why, where did these stories come from and how do I change it? And so I think that's what a lot of people are doing right now. So when you talk about, you know, people having more power, I'm, I go, that's people power. People now are ha- going to have more power than the tradition of the work, which is incredibly exciting Because when I consider, especially what I do in terms of consulting for equity, inclusion, diversity, Mm -hmm. when people have more power, everyone at every level has more power in the say of how things work, things can get better. Because one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm working on is a, is a group coaching program that is about what is, what is the intersection of your passion and your strengths and how does that work into your purpose, right? So that's the people power of it. The, the one where you say, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what my strengths are. And I can do in this area so much more work and, and do and achieve so much more than if I just look at the whole picture and go, Oh my God, it's so overwhelming. I can do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's also a little bit the same in terms of what you're doing 
right? Some of the work that you're doing, because you're talking about a docu-series that you're doing. You're, you're, you're yeah. coaching people. And tell us a little bit about that, please. Well, we, we uh, had an idea last year. I say we, because I'm a team of, a, of, of about 120 people. All right. So I'm very fortunate. We've got people all across the United States and they're every shade of the rainbow. They are of every background that you could imagine, every disability. You know, I kind of like look up at the sky when I think (laughs) of my own disability because I have a dyslexia and auditory processing disorder. Mm -hmm. So we all have our different things. We have stay-at-home moms, veterans, um, military spouses on our team. We've got students. We have retired folks from 15 to 60, no, 73 is the top end of our team. We were in a meeting. Not everybody was there, but a lot of people were there. And I was saying, you know, we really should do a docu-series on some of our people because I feel like it's the untold story of how hard going from, I don't know what I want to do. I'm lost. I'm kind of in doing this job that I'm half-hearted about it. And I want to go to, and I want to start understanding how to get the career and the salary that I deserve. Yeah. So in January, we decided, okay, we're going to do this. Now we've never done a docu-series before, but I'm (laughs) a huge advocate of saying what, saying your idea and then going and doing it. I love it. Going and doing it. Don't wait for permission. Don't get locked into all of the what ifs and the how and all of that. Yeah. And that has served me well because when you become that person of having the idea, speaking the idea, and then doing the idea, you will accomplish a ton in your life. So in February, we did, we casted, uh, we did a casting call across the United States and we found five unemployed individuals and we have uh, followed them for 12 weeks on their career journey. They got our online course. They got coaching from me and that's all in the docu-series and Putting together a docuseries has been very interesting, you know, I'm sure when you say you're (laughs) going to do something, then, then you get there and you're like, oh crap, what did I just do? (laughs) (laughs) But it's been fantastic. And we have six episodes that have aired and we've got six more coming up, but kind of piecing them together to tell the story has been Mm -hmm. really an adventure. Yeah. And all six individuals, I, you know, without, without telling all the details, it's been emotional. Mm, I'm sure it has. There's been ups and downs and the variety of the people have been really interesting because it's kind of a slice of, you know, what I think America is, which is Mm -hmm. kind of this, I always like to think of the melting pot, although sometimes, sometimes not, but, but we got a really good group of people and it's been, it's been an adventure. Yeah. Wow. It sounds really interesting. I would love to link in the show notes where people can follow or watch your docu-series as well, because I think that it might be beneficial for people to see that they're not the only ones going through the process or 
you know, they're not the ones feeling what they're feeling and that there is a way to kind of get past the things that, that tend to look like roadblocks for us, but they sometimes aren't as daunting as we make them out to be in our minds. Hey, as you listen to the rest of this show, I'd love for you to start thinking a little bit about how you relate in terms of your sensitivity level to people who are different than you. I ask that because I've just opened up again my Educate to Elevate Racial Sensitivity Workshop. It is a self-propelled course that you can take that will help you feel more powerful in situations where you are faced with injustice or prejudice. What we learn are the definitions of different words. We also learn the love us formula for you to tap right into every time you're faced with something and that helps you ground yourself and be able to respond in the moment. If you want to know more, go to diversitydish.com and in the sidebar, look for the Racial Sensitivity Workshop. I can't wait to work with you. You Um, just said what I tell people all the time. (laughs) It looks like Mount Everest. Right. But the truth is it's a half an inch speed bump. (laughs) So let's just get you over the little speed bump here. I'm going to give you a little push. <laughs> right. You know, it it all I mean, even Mount Everest looks small from a distance, right? It, it you does. Know, so it's kind of like you just gotta take that step. You just gotta take the first step. And when you say have the idea, speak the idea, and then just go ahead and do it, mm-hmm. that is exactly how this podcast happened. <laughs> Bravo, my friend Sadie. That is awesome. Yeah, because Look at you. It, yeah, and And it was just, you know, it was just one of these ideas. It was, you know, a friend was started her podcast in July. And I thought to myself, you know, I kept thinking to myself, there are conversations that need to be had conversations need to be had. And I was like, I can have those conversations. Let me do this. And, you know, I think it was within four to six weeks or something that I just kind of pulled it all together, said what I was going to do and get people interviewed and, you know, everything happened, you know, just that fast. And it's, and it's almost been a year at this recording. Congratulations. At the time it comes out, it will have been more than a year. So exciting. Yeah. But I think, I think what you're bringing to the podcast is, you know, because the podcast world is really immense, but I think what you're bringing that is unique and different and special is you're putting a, you're putting the diversity and the equity equality and the inclusion in that. And I think that is a through line in everything that we, we need to do. We're not doing it. Mm -hmm. Lots of companies not doing it still. Sure. I mean, we have a lot of companies out there. There are so many companies. It was interesting because I was driving through neighborhood yesterday and I was looking at the homes and I was like oh my gosh these are such great homes I said what if each one of the people that lived in these homes and went to their businesses their places of work were to shift their thinking and start thinking in a way of you know because I what I saw were a lot of Black Lives Matter signs Mm. um, which which triggered that thought and I thought 
well, how many of these people, because these were big homes, I was like, how many of these people actually own the company that they're working for? Or how many of them are high, higher up ex- executives? Because we tend to think of companies as autonomous. Oh, the company, the company, the company. Well, the company is made up of people. Without people, right. there would be no company. That's so right. That means that each individual person needs to shift themselves in order to shift the company. And so it's like, yes, the company needs to, the company needs to, but you are the company. So what are you doing to shift yourself and then translate that into what the company does? Well, I think people, it's easier to kind of lean on the crutch of it's everybody else. Sure. And it's that entity. Yeah. And it's very easy to do that and really not look in the mirror and say, okay, what is my responsibility to this? Exactly. And how am I going to be more helpful? How am I going to lead a pathway? How am I going to be the trailblazer? It's a different way of thinking. But I think that, again, goes back to the awakening. Mm-hmm. Because when we have the awakening, the wake, the awakening is very internal. Mm-hmm. It's, um, oh, I don't remember who it was, but I think it was a, a therapist that I had in the past who said, when men have a, now this is a very gender oriented thought. So I have to preface that to all of my gender non-conforming binary, yes. you know, friends. Thank you. Um, she said, when men have a midlife crisis, very often they will look outside of themselves. So they'll get like a nice car or they'll get uh, hair plugs um, <laughs> or they will, you, you can kind of tell yes. when, when this conversation happened, it was a while ago and they might get a younger girlfriend. So they do an external, they might start working out at the gym, right? Mm-hmm. So they might do an external makeover. Mm-hmm. And when the feminine or women do their midlife crisis, very often it comes from within. Yes. And I think the pandemic and all of the civil unrest that we have been feeling in our country, all of the polarization of our politics, all of the horrible uh, natural and man-made disasters Disasters. that we have experienced Mm -hmm. in the last few years have taken their toll on every human being. Mm -hmm. And we've all had our shift internally, internally, Mm -hmm. every one of us, even if it's just slightly, Mm -hmm. we've had that kind of like, wow, I'm frail and fragile. (laughs) Yeah. This has been rough. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I love what you said about the company. I'm going to use that and I'm going to Facebook it in the future, but I will give you credit for it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I'll tag you on it. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's so important to understand the spectrum of genders, which means the spectrum of identities, which means the spectrum of ways that people deal with things, right? So that's always, for me, that's where you start with the equity part. You need to understand that humans don't all fit into one box. 
everyone does not have the same background. Everyone does not have the same religion. Everyone doesn't have the same sexual orientation. Whatever it is, everyone doesn't have the same. And even within communities, everyone doesn't have the same, right? right? So we have to connect with the humanity of each individual person. And then thinking of that, we have to look at the policies and the procedures that we have in place that were meant to traditionally cater to the traditional working person who was the white cisgender male. Most companies are based on that framework, the white cisgender male. So now you have more people entering the workforce, all types of people entering the workforce, and you're still using that antiquated model that works best or really only for that white cisgender male. Oh my goodness. Every company needs to look at this, revamp it and go, yeah, why were these things put in place? We need to re-examine if we have to burn it all down and start all over. That's right. That's what needs to happen. Oh, you just hit my heart. (laughs) Um, There is a TED talk Mm -hmm. by a gentleman, Sugata Mitra. Mm. Sugata Mitra. And he is a scientist and Mm -hmm. a collector of thoughts Mm -hmm. and an educator. He does a TED talk talking about when knowledge becomes obsolete, which is Mm -hmm. kind of the age that we're living in right now. But he takes everybody through the history of why we set up schools the way we did and why everything was kind of lined up like soldiers and why the workforce was kind of put into a certain format. And because of that, you know, this is the world that we've been living in for a really long time. And Mm -hmm. now it's kind of like, why are we still using that old model? It worked then for a certain reason, which wasn't great then either. Right. (laughs) You know, it was about taking the empire uh, around Mm -hmm. the world and ruling people. Mm -hmm. But that is what we've been living with for so long. And we have got to break it. And the employee revolution, I think is going to be a major, it's going to be so interesting. Mm-hmm. Because in the next 10 to 20 to maybe even 30 years, maybe even beyond, mm-hmm. what we thought was work is changing. Yes. And it is going to be, I believe, a much happier and healthier environment as we right. start working out the bugs, right? start getting into our rhythm. I mean, you have a job and consulting mm-hmm. and then you've got the podcast mm-hmm. and I'll bet the podcast makes your heart sing it does you know and it's not to say that I don't love consulting because I actually really love going out and, and helping people who are ready to move in a direction to move in that direction that just makes my soul sing so everything I'm doing really makes my soul sing but I never I didn't realize when I started the podcast, how much I was going to enjoy doing the podcast. And I remember telling someone early on 
last year, last fall, that the podcast takes into account or uses all of those things that I consider to be my superpower, all my gifts, all the things that I think I can put out into the world, the podcast actually helps me to do that. So being able to do that is incredible, right? It's It's just awesome. Yeah. And I see those two things, and maybe you've got a a third or fourth thing that you're working on or 10th thing. I don't know. I always have a lot of projects going on, (laughs) but this is what work is really meant to be. Right. That it's not just one dimensional. It's not just one thing that, and sometimes we can go to one job and be fulfilled in a lot of areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there are those moments. I, I, I think, you know, I have a client right now who I work with and they fulfill a lot of things that I desire. Right. But there are some things, sometimes I'm like, well, I'm kind of missing this. So I'm going to start this other thing over here. Right. And I think when we can shift our thoughts that this is what work is going to become, it's going to become more passion oriented for people who are awake. For people who are still asleep, they will keep going into their offices. They will keep doing the factory jobs. Again, there's nothing wrong with the factory jobs. That can be a piece of your work. Right. And not the totality of your work. Yeah. I actually believe doing kind of hands-on labor is very, very good for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I frequently will go and do that kind of work to get back in touch mm-hmm. with being humble and using some of the tools that I use when I'm doing that kind of work and it can be very fulfilling and it's a good reminder. Yeah. But to and- have that be the totality of, of who you are and what you do, that's, that may not be what you want. Right. It's, it's about, and I think I was just talking to someone about it's, it's about understanding that you're not a one faceted person and that where you go to work, whatever your job is, if you don't like it and you only like what you do on the weekends or you like what you do, you know, in the evenings, then that's something to take a look at. Now, when taking into consideration as well, there are a number of people, there are a lot of people who are not able still to make those shifts, right? right? And so that's kind of what we're fighting for as well in terms of fighting for the opportunities for more people to be able to go into positions and opportunities that don't only take into consider one aspect of themselves, but that can take into consideration their talents, their yes. lived experiences, their, what they can actually bring to enhance the culture of the company rather than just fit into the culture that the box that, that people have put together. So we have to, to, to kind of think about that. And also, you know, making sure that it's equitable. You know, I say to people all the time, you know, racism doesn't affect only the marginalized and only the marginalized or are supposed to do something about it. Racism affects everyone and really everyone in an adverse way. And really 
white people have to contend with how it affects them and their part in it so that we can actually move forward. So it's like, you know, let's learn the history. Let's learn what's behind, you know, instead of blaming, we can ask questions and get answers that say, oh my goodness, this is history I never knew. And it's affecting today in this way. It's the only way that we can truly move forward and, and make a difference. And so for my little part that I'm doing is to get people to talk more about different things and to bring more awareness. If I say the same thing every week, I don't care because someone needs to hear it. And if it's not from me, it's going to be from one of my guests or it's going to be from, you know, somewhere, but you know, it's, it's the movement forward, right. Of the, of the employee revolution. It's we're at a place now. So let's, let's really and truly level that playing field. Let's really and truly tap into the resources that are available, the human resources, not just in a body, but in all of that person's being, right? Not just looking at it from the front, but looking at them 360 and going, oh my gosh, they would fit in so well over here. You put the R in revolution. (laughs) (laughs) That was excellent. You took me to a couple different places. And one of the places was trauma. Yes. Because full disclosure, I'm in AA. I mean, I know, you know, and I know it's supposed to be Alcoholics Anonymous, but I talk about it. (laughs) I always feel like there are people in the world who need to know that um, you can be sober Mm -hmm. and have made mistakes in the past and you can have a different life. And and I'm proof of that. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I had avoided it pretty much all my life was my childhood trauma. And I think I embody, you know, very similar what racism is in that if you don't go back and learn and understand and heal, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be messy. Yeah. It's going to keep being messy. And it was messy for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And so once when I got sober, really sober, once when I had a sober mind, once when I had that awakening, only now am I able to go back to childhood trauma and really start to reconcile that. Mm-hmm. And for people who kind of want to stay away from it, it's like, oh, that's in the past. You know, we always hear people say that, right? Yes, we do. Oh, that yeah. was in the past. Why do you always have to bring it up? Yeah. Because we haven't it's, dealt with it. Because it's all connected. Right. It's all connected. And if we don't do that work, it is a very hollow, empty kind of now. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for saying that because you just reminded me something I have to do today about my own childhood trauma. (laughs) I'm I'm still working on it, but I am a work in progress for sure. Right. So I'm so glad that you that you connected the two in that way because I say all the time 
we are all what we, you know, in within the black community, we talk a lot about generational trauma and, you know, dealing with that trauma and how do we move forward with the things that have happened to us in the past and, and continue to happen to us here in the present, right? The trauma that we experience, whether it's by oppression or, um, you know, the different things that happen within the community. But I think in, in, in my mind of minds, as I look at history, I think that we all have generational trauma. White people have generational trauma. They just don't ever acknowledge it or look back at it to do anything about it. Right. So we don't they, talk about it. Do you? So, so they're coming into this day and time thinking, well, I don't, there's no connection to me and that, and we're going, there is a huge connection with me and that my ancestors and the, the trauma that, that they endured and those things that come down in the genes because it has been shown scientifically that those things can be carried in the genes. And so it's really silly for us to think that Black people or marginalized people or people who have traditionally been oppressed have generational trauma and white people do not. Mm-hmm. white people do have generational trauma the difference is that they are just not willing to look at it and deal with it and then to uh reckon with it and the marginalized people are just saying could you just reckon with your shit so that we can all move forward yeah and they're like well no why do we need to why do we need right to? we're like they don't want it i mean again this is a generality a, a general statement and all people are individuals but in a in a very big way, I I 100% agree that you know white folks. I mean, I'm Caucasian. I read Caucasian. I, I I'm about I'm almost a quarter Native American Indigenous. But you know I I I got the white I got the white fair skin mm-hmm. here, and so in general there is a big world of denial mm-hmm. with white people. Mm-hmm. You know, and myself included, because like I said, for, for 50 years, I had my nose in a bottle. Well, mm-hmm. not all 50 years, but you know, a lot of years I was drinking mm-hmm. to suppress and hide and to cover the feelings. And once when I got sober, it felt like the matrix, <laughs> right? You know, the movie, the matrix, yes. I, <laughs> I took the pill where I could suddenly see how things yeah. really were. And I'm right. like, oh my gosh, I am part of the problem. And that is, and that is exactly what it is like. I use that analogy a lot. It's yeah. like you, once you see, you can't unsee. Once you're unplugged, yeah. you can't get plugged back in. Yeah. So it's now, are you going to be that guy who goes to make a deal and decide, you know, I, I just want to get plugged back in. I don't want to know. I don't want to know that what I'm doing is what I'm doing and what, how it's affecting anything. Is that who you're going to be? Or do you want to fight for yeah. things to be better? Right. Right. Grow yeah. beyond that. For sure. In the real world. Yes. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking about your audience right now and how some of them might be thinking, how do I get started? Yeah. How do I get started on my employee revolution? So see, that's a bit, see you did that segue for me to say that's why <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> that's why oh, I'm 
my gosh, I've been doing this too long. <laughs> I think that I've been doing this too long. Well, it's not so much that I want to talk about our company or, or what we do, but I want to give everyone some advice mm-hmm. because, and this is free. So everybody, what I hear a lot, I hear two things. I'm going to tell you the two biggest mistakes that people make. Uh, I've made them myself. So mm-hmm. I, I'm the first one to say hi. <laughs> my name is SJ and I've made these mistakes. The number one mistake that people make is they will spend a ton of time filling out online applications. Mm. And that is a huge, huge error. Mm-hmm. Because all of those applications that you're filling out more than likely are not seen by human being. Right. They're filtered through an AI and the AI is filtering out a lot of yes. possible yeah. possibilities, right? It's called an applicant tracking system, mm-hmm. no, better known as an ATS. Mm-hmm. And to your point, it will look for keywords. And if you don't hit the right ratio, then you will get filtered out into the garbage. Yep. And what I tell people is only 20% of the jobs that are in the universe are actually online. The other Mm -hmm. 80% are not. And so instead of spending time filling out online applications, spend more time developing relationships where you want to work. Yes. So that is that pipeline. That's right. People that you want to connect with. That's right. So I'm on LinkedIn. Everybody can LinkedIn with me. I'm super Julie Braun. Come find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only super Julie Braun on LinkedIn. So you won't get lost. (laughs) And if you send me a connection request, I will, I accept everybody. I am totally uh, inclusive. And that's the first thing that I want to share with people is Mm -hmm. develop relationships. Like I'm developing a relationship with Sadie we're going to do some work together, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And this is going to, you know, turn out to be more than just a conversation. Yes. And that's where you want to go. That's yeah. What you want to do. You want I just to- spoke my intention. Look at that. Yes. I have the idea. I spoke my intention <laughs> and now I'm going to get into action. Okay. Now we're going to do it. Now we're going yeah. to do something. Okay. The second thing that I want to share with everybody, I hear this all the time is my resume needs to be redone. And I will say that way too much time is spent on a resume and not enough time is spent on your LinkedIn profile. If you want to get a job, Mm -hmm. the first place that every recruiter and hiring manager goes to is LinkedIn. Is LinkedIn. Yep. LinkedIn is the billboard for your career. A resume is something that you attach to mm-hmm. an application. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you will send to somebody after maybe they've met you mm-hmm. or they've said, send me your resume. They just mm-hmm. want to get verification mm-hmm. that what you have on your resume matches your matches. LinkedIn profile, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. But the reality <laughs> is everybody's looking at LinkedIn. Yeah. So spend more time developing that. And mm-hmm. from that, you can extract your resume. Right. And when you say develop your LinkedIn, it's not just about 
the jobs that you've done because right. LinkedIn gives you the opportunity to tell the awards that you've received, the, the trainings that you've taken. And it also gives people an opportunity to see those things that you're passionate about, those things that you talk about and how you uh, communicate. Right. So it's not just about like the resume, just, you know, what'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? Which, you know, it's very much create your person on the platform. There's a place that I think that is so underutilized on LinkedIn. And I just, I personally love it. And I, it's a thing that I look for. Mm-hmm. It's the about section. It's kind of the summary. Mm-hmm. And I always look at that as being your story. Mm-hmm. It is the place for you to tell your career story, like where you started, mm-hmm. what made you fall in love with what you want to do or what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It allows people to kind of get the once upon a time about you. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the formula we use. We always use the Pixar formula once upon a time. And that gives context Right. every, every day, every day I clocked in and clocked out of the stupid job that I made <laughs> right? the every day, the mundane stuff. Every day I, I took a shower, got up super early, got in my car, drove to the factory, did the work, came home, never saw my kids. That's the next section. Then we go into one day, something happened, something magical. Yes. That's where I like to insert super purposes, <laughs> super purposes. One day I met the people at super purposes and they taught me, they taught right. me that everything that I had been doing on my career was wrong. And because of that, that's the next section, because of that things started getting better. And right. because of that, things started getting super. Right. Right. Until finally happily ever after. Happily ever after. So it's a place for you to tell your story. Mm -hmm. And I always, whenever I go to someone's LinkedIn, I look at their picture. I look at their backdrop. I look at their headline. I look at how many connections they have, because that tells me how sophisticated they are in developing relationships. And then I go to their about. Right. And, and, and one thing that I definitely want to pull out in what you're saying here as well, because, you know, I'm always about equity and inclusion, <laughs> is that on LinkedIn, connecting with people at the companies that you want to work and connecting with people, with people that you can see working with your company is a great way to uh, create that soft pipeline. I tell my consulting um clients that go to LinkedIn, connect with people that, that are doing some of the work that you're looking to fill maybe one, two years, six months down the line, connect with them and don't connect with them. And then in six months go, Hey, we really think that you should apply for this position, connect with them and start to look at what they're posting interact with them, ask them questions if you want on some of the things that they're posting or, Hey, I see that you worked at this place. What did you think of that place? And how, you know, how did your, your time go there? I knew someone from there, whatever the case may be, have a conversation Mm -hmm. because that's how you create your soft pipeline. And people are like, well, you know, diverse people don't apply for positions. Well, you know what? You can go out there to LinkedIn and there are all sorts of people there 
all sorts of people there talking about all sorts of things that can relate to your need to build up your diversity. Although I'm a big advocate of building up your equity and inclusion before diversity, but you know, build up your diversity. And then when they look at you, right, you send them a nice note, please don't send them an autoresponder or send them something that says, Hey, I see that you do this. I want to sell you this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I keep getting those. And I'm like, ah. uh, such an immediate turnoff. I mean, it's yeah. like, I call it when you walk up to a stranger in a bar and you ask them to marry you, <laughs> yeah. you're kind of like, wait a second. I don't even know yes. your name. Hey, I see that you are yeah. my type. Yeah. Hey, get married? Want to get married with, you know, what, what are these, the finger guns, right? Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. want to get married? Oh, that's such a Caucasian thing to do, but I did it. I did it on camera. You have it. And everyone at the bar is looking at you like, oh my gosh, where did this crazy lady come yes. from? And that is what happens. We, we go to the proposal way too fast. Yes. And what we should do is go to the coffee date and build yes. a relationship first. Yeah. We have to relearn how to court. People, yes. Oh. Whether we're trying to date them or whether we're trying to hire them, we have to learn the art of courtship. My friend, <laughs> you and I are going to be a dynamic duo. <laughs> we are so connected on so yeah. many things. I just really, really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you too. I do appreciate what you're doing and, you know, sharing the information that you're sharing and, and, and working with people to, to, you know, through the employee revolution. I just think that that's just awesome. And I just love that, that, that word and that idea and that just, just the workings of that, because, in my mind, the employee revolution is, is equitable. The employee revolution is inclusive. The employee revolution is full of all sorts of diversity. And so that to me is, is an exciting place to look forward to seeing how it's going to continue to evolve. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So we've had an amazing conversation. SJ, <laughs> is there anything else in particular that we haven't talked about that haven't asked you about that you might want to share with everyone at this point? Hmm. Well, okay. I do have one other little nugget. Yes, please. Okay. And this will be for, for the equity, equality, information that you may or may not know this. So it's a big mistake that people make at interviews. Here's, here's a hot tip. And everybody's made this mistake. Again, <laughs> I'm raising my hand. Okay. Cause I've done it before. There used to be a time when you would arrive to a interview and you would basically sit there and wait for the question. Yes. So the question would come from the interviewer and then you would answer. Yeah. And then the interviewer would move on to their next question and then you would answer. And what's happening is the interviewer is rising above you and you're rising below them because it's feeling like an interrogation. And mm -hmm. before you know it, this equality that we're supposed to bring 
to all of our experiences is now totally out of whack. Mm-hmm. You've in a way allowed them to really go and they are, you know, they're, they're asking the questions. It feels like an interrogation and they may even feel superior in this moment. Mm. What should happen mm-hmm. is when you come to an interview, mm-hmm. it is a back and forth dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it is the interviewee. So when you're interviewing for a job, it's, it's your job to create the dialogue. And the way to do that is to have what's called throwback questions. Mm-hmm. So if Sadie said to me, what are your greatest strengths? I might say, oh, you know, I, 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 I love leadership. Um, I really feel that I'm able to lead a, a group of people and really inspire them. And I'm good at explaining the why. And, you know, I might go on with a story or something. And then I'm going to say, but Sadie, what I'm wondering is, what's the number one strength you're looking for in this position? And now Sadie's going to tell me the answer. Mm-hmm. And Sadie might say, well, I'm glad that you're a strong leader because that really matters to us, but it also matters that you were fiscally responsible. Mm -hmm. And she'll share a little bit about that. And I'll say, oh, well, tell me more about that. And then she'll tell me a story about, you know, fiscal fiscal responsibility and I'm gathering more information. And now I'm going to say, well, Sadie, aren't you lucky? Because that's my second strength. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so- Now we just had a moment, right? Because hopefully Sadie has a sense of humor and she's going to laugh or, you know, we're going to have a moment. And the whole shift of the interview is no longer an interview, but it is a conversation. Mm -hmm. So if I can impart that information to your audience to please get into a dialogue, a back and forth, uh, a how we're connected that will immediately put you at the top of the opportunities. And the person who's interviewing you is going to start thinking, and here's what you want them to think. You want them to think, wow, I really like them. I wonder if they would like to join our softball team (laughs) because we need a backstop. (laughs) You know, you want them to see you as a colleague because you want that equality moment. And it is a mistake I see all the time. People always, whenever I do mock interviews with people, they're always waiting for the next question. I stretch out the time. I'm just silent for a really, I I kind of, you know, I put on my timer and I'm like, let's see how long it's going to take them. (laughs) <laughs> to say something else. <laughs> Let's see how long. Oh, wow. This one's going for 30 seconds. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that silent, long, awkward, just. Right. And I'm like, okay, do you know how that felt? And they're like, that was awful. I'm like, right. Hey. Yeah. So you need to have your game on to be able to 
ask questions and integrate the questions and don't save them to the end of the interview. If you've saved all of your questions to the end of the interview, it's too late. Wow. Well, thank you for that information. I think it's going to come in super handy for a lot of people. Uh, (laughs) It has been so great talking to you about the employee revolution and how we can just transform our companies into places where people actually want to be. Because as people come out of their introspection and they decide where or how they're going to come out, you want to be on that list if your company is, is one that, that, that works, you know, in their area of passion, intersection, right? Yes. Yes. So before I let you go, SJ, I would like to know, and I'm sure my audience would like to know also, because they're so used to me asking this question, but what is your favorite dish? Well, I have so many, (laughs) but the one that I'm going to go with will be a little unconventional. Okay. I'm going to go with a cupcake. A cupcake. How cute. (laughs) And I'm going to go with a red velvet. I love the red velvet with that tangy cream cheese frosting. Mm. Mm -hmm. The reason why I choose a cupcake Mm -hmm. is because cupcakes are just like careers. Mm. There is a recipe. There's a certain order and there's certain ingredients that go into a cupcake. There's a certain way and timing. There's a, there's a time when you turn the heat up. Mm -hmm. There's a time when you let the cupcake rest. Mm -hmm. There's a time that you frost it and you get it in the fridge. So it doesn't melt Mm -hmm. There's a time for all of these things. And just like a career is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know a good recipe, then you're not going to have a great outcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is my favorite dish today. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you are the first person to say cupcakes. So <laughs> great. I get bragging rights. Can you I get a big do. star? I'm gonna put I will a star send it on. to you. Okay. I'm going I'm, to, I'm actually, I'm going to accept that star i'm going to put it on maybe on my head even i'll put it like off go. to the side yeah walk around with it all day for <laughs> crown maybe i don't know whatever it is you can talk about <laughs> you're being the first to say cupcake on diversity dish <laughs> i'm gonna put this on my linkedin profile as <laughs> one of my major accomplishments there you go there you go <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, SJ. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at Patreon dot com backslash Cedrola Maruska. And finally, before you go, don't forget diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.